Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to We've Got Balls, the podcast where we talk about faces and boobs and pecs and asses and penises and vaginas and feet. Okay, and if that's not enough, we're going to talk about lesbian porn and Asian porn and threesomes and anal sex and MILFs and transgender porn, hentai, cream pies, bondage, and orgies. I'll give you a minute. If you're still here, why are we doing this? It's because all of these topics and more are searched in massive quantities on a daily basis online. Places like Pornhub and Google. And we live in a pornified culture that's obsessed with sex and how we can all get a piece of it. And my name is Chris Inman. I'm a professional sex addiction recovery coach, works with men doing recovery. I'm a recovering sex, sex addict myself and doing the work to continue to grow and heal. And I'm really curious. I'm curious about what in our culture is driving us toward a level of sexual investigation and experience that is maybe unparalleled in the history of humanity. And this is my friend. Hey, I'm Scott Cohn. I'm a sexual addiction recovery coach as well and a recovering addict. And I have a business called Successful Men where I help guys be successful. I like sex. Let's just be honest about it. Sure. Uh, I have fantasies. I have sexual turn-ons. And in my quest to kind of understand my own story and do a better job of living um, the best version of myself, I've had to delve into what turns me on, why that turns me on, where those stories started. And that's what we really want to examine in this podcast in a very open, curious, kind way, not trying to shut down conversation around this, but actually to go into it to help unravel the mysteries of male sexual arousal in particular. Exactly. And we're not going to be shy. I think that's one of the things that we can say with with great honesty. Uh, you know, Scott and I have a lot of uh, passion about this issue, but we're also kind of crazy and we'll talk about pretty much anything. And so we, we do that um, intentionally because we believe there are places that we all need to go that we we struggle to talk about uh, where we can find truth and we can find care for ourselves and we can build healthier sexual dynamics and, frankly, become healthier uh, and more productive people. That's why the name is We've Got We Got Balls. That's it. <laughs> the name is We Got Balls because literally we do. And euphemistically, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about pretty much everything, as you've already heard from the intro. So for me, um, my journey in this area comes in a very particular way. And I want to read you a story that I wrote about my first experience around internet porn. And it goes like this. I was on the hunt. One late night, early in my first year of college, I curiously sat down at the computer in my dad's home office. I was a single young man at the dawn of the internet age. I'd heard of this new way to look at porn, quote, on the web. And up to that point, my porn searches just simply had been in magazines that I could find and on those, you know, squiggly lines that you'd see in late night cable television. Maybe you'd catch a boob or, or maybe you'd hear some moaning here or there. That was my, uh, my content of looking at porn. 
This old PC that I was looking on was not ideal for the journey I was about to go on, but it's all that I had. And when the whir and dings of the dial-up modem connected the machine to the outside world, I looked back over my shoulder. While that was happening, I looked back to see if anybody was listening because I was desperately afraid that somebody would walk in. And I wanted to make sure there was no one stirring in the house. After a few minutes, I was confident that I was safe enough to look and continue my search on the Netscape web browser, if you're old enough to have seen one of those. In the white box at the top of the page, I typed in these fateful words, young, sexy, babe. And as the website options populated the screen, I looked at the first one that caught my eye, and it was this, barely legal, etched in blue. I was transfixed, and I sat hungrily glaring at the images that slowly crawled down the monitor in front of me. I continued for hours and days and weeks and months, longing to consume this whole new world of on-demand stimulation and fantasy that was right at my fingertips. Scott, my hunt was on. What'd you hear in that story? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for sharing that so vulnerably. It took a lot of courage to do that with our audience and with me, although you, you know me and trust me. Um, so I'll tell you what I heard is kind of a conflicting mix of excitement, adventure, fear, shame. Is that what you were feeling? What were you, what do you think you were feeling? What emotions were you going through as you entered that story? Yeah, I mean, definitely excitement, anticipation, um, need. I think there was there was a very base level uh, desire to connect with something. Uh, that was a that was a lonely season of life. I just moved away from home, started college, didn't have a lot of friends, wanted to connect. Yeah, and yet there's something about that connection that while it's making you come alive, it's also filling you with a lot of looking behind your shoulder. Yeah. What do you, where do you think that's coming from? What are you, what are you afraid of? Yeah, obviously I was afraid of being seen in that space because I was wanting to connect, but not in the way that was approved by anybody else. I mean, I knew intrinsically, nobody had ever told me, don't look at porn. Nobody had ever told me that that this isn't healthy for you. This isn't a good thing for you. But what they had implied was that sexuality was shameful. And so I knew my search for what turned me on sexually was not something that I needed to share with anybody else. I need to keep it silent. I need to keep it mm -hmm. secret. It was under the cover of night and it needed to stay with just me. That's a really difficult struggle isn't it because yes. it's almost like you're fighting against something you were designed to find arousing yeah and yet you feel there's something wrong with it so right there is a great example of how an absence of healthy conversation around sexuality in your life growing up with your mom dad whatever church background like there's all these influences but because of that absence of a healthy conversation um you're walking into something where you have already inbuilt arousal, which is a good thing. Like it's a good thing that you're turned on by naked 
bodies. Wait, wait, wait. It's a good thing that I'm turned on by naked body. You got to flesh that out for me because I'm, uh, I have never used those words in a sentence. It's a good thing that I'm turned on by naked bodies. I'm turned on a hundred percent. I confess that that's definitely something I want for. I am a human being after all. I do like the sight of, uh, of I'm a male human being who likes the sight of female naked, female human beings. But I don't think I've ever described that as good. Well, I mean, I'm going to come from uh, kind of my worldview position here is I'm I'm a Christian. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at Genesis starting off with uh, a God who's good and wise and kind, creating a man and then a woman. And they're standing in front of him naked. He Adam may have an erection at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, didn't, I didn't hear that in my Bible meeting. story class. What, what's For, going on? Make Adam's erection in the garden. That's well, crazy. you know, when, when God brings a woman, Eve, to Adam, he the Hebrew says, he goes, finally. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, there's this sexual anticipation that has been building in his body. And now God gives him this way to kind of express that and to connect in a much deeper level. And uh, he's excited about it. And so God looks at this. Maybe Adam's got a boner. He's excited about merging with Eve. And God says, this is very good. And, you know. About merging, you mean you mean having sex with, right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So you're saying that God in the Bible is excited about people having sex. Yeah. That's very good. And I see this is a, this is a paradigm breaker for me because I've been to church and there ain't no no Christian that I talk to that's excited to talk about sex. They do it because they have to. They do it because if we don't, bad things will happen, which was my story, right? You know, let's talk about sex when we have to. But I think given in, in our, our circumstance, you know, we're talking about these issues. They are they're everywhere. I mean, I can see it on TikTok. I can see it on Facebook. I can see it on Instagram. I can see it on Netflix. I can see it in the, the articles that I read in my news feed and on my, on my news app. I can see it everywhere. The whole world is talking about sex, but yet nobody wants to talk about things like why I feel ashamed to talk about sex in these contexts. Yeah, well, you have to look at the three kind of environments that influence that. First of all, you have to look at your family system. All families are inherently sexual. How is sexuality developed in us from a developmental standpoint from the moment maybe even before we're born to the time where we develop into adulthood. It's by relating to our mother and our father, a male and female, and seeing how they model sexuality, how they model what a man or a male or a masculinity is like, or what a female femininity, a, a woman, a mother is like. And so all of that is probably 80% caught instead of taught. You're not having lots of conversations where you sit down and go into the mechanics of sex, you're daily, daily, daily demonstrating what sex is by the way you relate to one another. And so a child's sexuality has to be developed in the relationship with their primary caregiver, their mother and their father. There's no other way to do it. Second of all, right. it's going to be influenced by the culture. And mm. what are the messages that come through in the popular media, through celebrity culture, through news, through television shows, through movies, and let's face it now, pornography, because pornography is a yeah. subset 
of the culture at large. And yet um, it's teaching about sexuality. It may not be the yes. healthiest message in the world, but it's teaching something. And if you grow up in an environment in your home where there's complete silence from your mom and dad about the goodness of your sexuality, nobody even talks about it. Or it's only talked about in pathological terms like, oh, you could get a disease or you could get somebody pregnant or you could blah, 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 blah. Instead of the beauty, starting off with the beauty, like the, the Bible starts off not with our fallenness, but with our blessedness. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. And okay. even, even after the fall, in the middle of the Old Testament, you have a story called the Song of Solomon, which is an erotic love poem between a guy and his to-be bride. And they are flaming hot for one another, using the most graphic sexual language in the Hebrew to describe all the things they want to do with one another. And it's full of joy and delight. And it's, oh, by the way, they want to make love out in nature, out in the vineyard, right? So they're kind of yeah. into getting a little freaky and getting outside. <laughs> a little public sex. Little we got public some public sex. sex in the Bible. Okay. And and not just so, you know, it's talking about it's talking about breasts, it's talking about vaginal smells, it's talking about pre-ejaculation, it's talking about all those things. So wait, so so uh, so again, I'm talking about oral sex, point. you know, he wants to graze among the lilies. That's not sticking his mouth down in a bed of flowers and munching away at that. So yeah, that's correct. And so I think I think in that part of what we want to do is give some clarity and demystify um, these issues. Now, as you can probably tell with the way that Scott and I talk, we're not nervous about these conversations, but there is a piece of this that is treacherous, is that, you know, there are going to be some people that listen to this and say they don't need to be talking about that. That's that's inappropriate. That's immoral to be talking about that. What would you say to people who say, you know, having a public conversation about sex is not appropriate? Well, I would say you need to go read your Bibles because the Bible is filled with talk about sex. And it's not all from a pathology standpoint a lot. And that's, again, back to the Song of Solomon it's about how beautiful it is, how awesome it is to play with one another, to explore, to have adventure and to have this passion for one another. And uh, in fact, um, the Song of Solomon says um, this passion of wanting to have sex with your your spouse is like the flame of God. It's like divine spark. Mm. And you can fight with that all you want to. It says many waters cannot quench it, not even death. There is something about our erotic lives that is a spark of divinity in us. And I think this is carried through in the New Testament, where in Ephesians, Paul says, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church, brothers. This is a great mystery. He's saying that when you make love to your wife, there's something about that that preaches the gospel with your body. When your penis goes into your wife's vagina, it's a representation of how much Jesus loves his people. Now, that is literally what it's saying. And yet people think, oh, wait, we shouldn't be talking about this. Well, it's kind of the through theme of the Bible, this desire to connect, this desire to merge with, this desire to be caught up in delight 
and love and pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not going to talk about that, and that's and that's that's a human desire. right. It's our it's our telos. It's our design. So so that's a, that's a human desire, and and I think a lot of times whether you were raised in a religious background or not, you look at the Bible as this sacred othering text. Maybe the Bible is about how life works best. Maybe it's there to say, hey, that these are some great principles for doing life. Now, there's a lot of shit in the Bible. And yes, I said shit. So if you're offended about that, you can turn off the podcast. But um, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible, a lot of shit in the Bible that's really horrid. There's rape. There is, um, uh, you know, uh, trafficking. There is abuse. There is incest. incest. There is, um, you know, all, all kinds of, of, uh, of using sexuality to twist and manipulate. And guess what? That's the human condition. That's where we live. And so I think when you, when you want to address this issue from a real and a raw place, you have to realize that this is a human condition. We will live with sexuality whether we're in a relationship or not, whether we're having sex or not, for all of our days. Every single moment on this earth is sexual. And on the religious side of that, kind of our experience with religion, it tends to try to shut down sexuality to control it and contain it. And it's all about containment on the religious side. Whereas you look at things in the secular culture side, there is no containment except for consent. So... What you have yeah. is this really extreme view on both sides, and it's really not how we're designed. We're designed to enjoy this. We're designed to have some limits on it. It's not like sex is limitless because that's chaos. And but it's also not like it's all bad. It's not all bad. It, it's there's a good story at the start here, and so a lot yeah. of our goal in this podcast is to redeem that conversation. And give us the freedom to talk about it, not just from the standpoint of all the things that can go wrong with sex, but what's really great about it. What are the good things about sex? Because we believe that's how we were designed. We were designed to experience connection, joy, and pleasure with one another. And it points us to something better than that. And that's why yeah. it's such a beautiful and important thing to cherish and to honor Instead of viewing it as, you know, like the culture, again, would just say, well, sex is all about either performance or it's no different than just blowing your nose. That there's no honor in that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so that's that's the power in boobs and blowjobs and boudoir photos, which is they're all pointing to somewhere. Yeah. There, there's a story to be told in all those pieces. And, and one of the things that I think we want to do is is demystify some of those explorations is like me when i sat down at the computer decades ago and typed out young sexy babe what was i looking for what were what were the desires in my heart that i was really trying to satisfy in that search and every single human being has an arousal template they have a dynamic which turns them on and maybe it is a um it's very platonic maybe it's hey somebody that shows up and brings me 
brings me money, makes me feel safe. That's that's hot as can be. Maybe it's some very exotic dynamics, which are um, maybe informed by your experiences in your childhood or by the things that you have have gone and seen and done. And those have been thrilling and risky, but they've turned on that switch inside your head to say that makes me come alive. And that's really what this is all about is when we're talking about sexual arousal, we're also talking about the things that make me come alive. So Scott, if, if sexual arousal, if talking about these issues are so thrilling are so exhilarating, what keeps people silent? Why is this conversation such a hard conversation to pull out of someone else? Well, in a word, shame, right? We're all ashamed okay. of what turns us on. And shame is this experience that we have with one another. It's the gaze of another person. And to get into what arouses me sexually, um, I have to kind of open my heart more than my body. I mean, for most people, it's easier to get naked with a stranger and have sex with somebody in a one night hookup than it is to actually reveal why that is so arousing. Because now you're dealing with matters of the heart. Now you're dealing with my story and how I was formed in my family and my experiences with others and how I started to seek sexual connection in a way that makes me come alive. But also at the same time, there's a sense in which it makes me feel bad about myself or there's something really wrong with me. And so how do those stories it's talking about who I am to get clear. What the struggle of getting the shame is, is I don't want to reveal who I right. am, right? And all the shame. According, yeah, so according to Brene Brown, who's done a lot of research on this subject of shame and vulnerability, shame needs three things to thrive in our lives. It needs isolation, it needs secrecy, and it needs judgment. So if you're going to deal with your sexual shame about what arouses you, you're going to have to reverse each of those three things. You're going to have to stop isolating and start being in connection with others and having these kinds of conversations, which is what we're trying to model for everybody who watches this podcast or listens to it. The second thing is you're going to have to learn to lean into vulnerability and radical honesty and have that courage to say, Here's what really turns me on. And I don't necessarily understand this, but I feel safe enough with you, Chris, talking about this with you because I know you're not going to judge me. And that's the third thing is, mm -hmm. can I have that kind of safety in a relationship where I can openly share what arouses me and my curiosity about it and do that in the presence of others who can see things about my life and my story that I can't see? And I have found that, and I know you found that to be a transformative process in meaning making behind all of this, because really sex is never just about sex. It's about the symbolism that's beneath everything that we're doing that arouses us and that brings us to this place of connection and comfort and merging with others. And so to be able to uh, actually enter into that, it takes a lot of courage. And sometimes, honestly, there's a lot of hurt that leads to the things that arouse us. And we don't want to enter back into that painful place in our lives. Yes. So we've got not only 
a struggle to be honest about who I am. We've got the experience of if I am honest about who I am, I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be accepted. I'm going to be judged. And we've also got the fear of re-entering into yep. places in our lives that we just don't want to go back to. And for some very good reasons. I mean, these, these issues, these issues of, and you know, in the therapeutic world, it's called trauma. These issues of trauma or harm or abuse are, are very difficult places to be honest about. Because frankly, my body, my mind has tried to forget a lot of that, push it to the side. It never really happened because I just got to get on with life. But what happens when I don't deal with those issues, when I don't go back and get curious and like, like you're saying, Scott, you know, find safety and find a place of acceptance in that struggle. I am stuck in doing the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again. The stuff I don't want to do, the stuff that I wish I could quit, but I can't seem to get out of it. And so we feel that the key to opening this door into exploring why I'm stuck, why I can't be honest about the things in my past that seem so difficult and why I can't get out of my shame is through this door of sexual arousal. We want to get hyper curious with you about what it means to investigate what turns you on. And it's going to take balls to do that. It's going to take balls on your part. It's going to take balls for us. Which is why the podcast is called <laughs> You've Got Balls. Let me just sum it up by, the, by saying this. The role of fantasy. Why does fantasy, why do dreams exist in our lives? Usually we're fantasizing about mm. something that's the opposite of the reality that we experience. So a great example is if you've seen the Harry Potter movies, there's in one of the series, Harry looks into this uh, mirror called the Mirror of Arrested. And what he sees in the mirror is the opposite of what his life is like now. So his parents, he was orphaned as a little boy. His parents were killed by Lord Voldemort. But when he looks in the mirror of Arrested, he sees he's standing there with his mother and father. So the mirror showing him his heart's truest desires that are not occurring in his reality. Sexual fantasy plays that same role in our lives. When we fantasize sexually, when we look at pornography, we're, we're actually kind of being lazy about our fantasy, but we're still fantasizing at the root level of what uh, something that makes me come alive because there's something about my life that makes me feel dead. And so I'm imagining a totally opposite yeah. scenario and when you can understand that that's kind of the broad framework by which to understand our sexual arousal um, and just get curious about it, it's going to lead you some, to some really interesting places. So that's what we want to do. We want to continue to be curious. Um, you might want to check out the titles because we're going to have some very interesting titles to our podcast episodes. Just find one that makes you go, oh, damn, why are they talking about that? And check it out because that's where that's where we want to go. We want you to be curious, just like we are, about the things that turn you on and the things that bring you life. And I enjoy spending the time with you, Scott, as always. Um, you know, you're, I, I'll say this time and time again, Scott's smarter than me. So uh, that's why I bring him along, because he knows a lot of shit. And so we're excited to do this journey together. 
and um, come back next time and see what we talk about on We Got Balls. Take care. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.